Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. As we've noted in prior episodes, polyamory includes a multitude of specific forms of relationship. This stands in contrast with monogamy, at least as usually practiced in Western cultures, which generally comes with one associated set of social norms and expectations regarding partner behavior. In this episode, we'll examine a particular style of polyamory called solo polyamory, and we'll put that in the context of polyamory in general. To start our exploration, let's review the definition of polyamory as a general relationship category. Stated simply, polyamory is the practice of having a romantic and or platonic relationship with more than one partner at a given time. Let's consider romantic relationships to be characterized by a physical or sexual connection, while platonic relationships are centered on an emotional and or mental connection. For completeness, we can consider a spiritual connection to be one facet of platonic connection since we experience spirituality largely on an emotional plane. Polyamory may superficially sound like dating, in which we may be getting to know a variety of people at roughly the same time, and in which we may have a sexual connection with multiple dating partners. However, dating is a process through which we find and initially explore connections with people with whom we may subsequently decide to establish a relationship, whereas polyamory describes the pursuit of multiple relationships that we have already decided to develop. Dating can be a portal into either a monogamous relationship or into a multi-partner polyamorous relationship. Like monogamy, polyamory can be conducted either ethically or unethically. In either case, a lack of ethical behavior is demonstrated by breaches of trust and by intentional misleading or obscuring communication, such as lying. In contrast, ethical monogamy or polyamory requires clear and honest communication, a willingness and ability to negotiate with a partner, and genuine caring and trustworthy behavior between partners. As previously mentioned, polyamory includes many different relationship styles that vary in differing dimensions, including the number and configuration of connected partners, such as a triad, quad, V, etc. The hierarchy of relationships between partners, reflecting each participant's relative valuing and investment in each of their relationships. Constraints, rules, and agreements that apply to each relationship. The extent and style of communications between partners and the degree and expression of commitment that exists between partners. As these dimensions suggest, polyamory spans a huge range of variation. It's sometimes only half-jokingly said that there are as many variants of polyamory as there are polyamorous. Like monogamous relationships, polyamorous relationships can have various goals, such as providing companionship, sharing sexual and sensual ex- adventures, contributing to partners' personal security by establishing a shared nesting living arrangement of some sort. Unlike monogamous relationships, polyamorous relationships can involve from two to many partners. A given poly practitioner may put widely varying amounts of time and energy into their various relationships, or the practitioner may prefer to treat all partners as uniformly as possible. Poly philosophies vary. With that lengthy but necessary prelude, let's turn now to consideration of solo polyamory. That term refers to a form of poly in which a practitioner chooses to not form attachments or associated commitments to any of their partners. Instead, some people position solo polyamorous as having a primary relationship with themselves. 
we've explored the notion of relationship hierarchy in prior episodes. In those discussions, we introduced primary partners as describing core relationships that receive much or most of the partner's time and energy. In contrast, secondary or tertiary etc. relationships are those which receive time and attention after the primary relationship's needs are met. Obviously, such relationships can have potential for feeling discounting and dissatisfying to some, but in some cases, a person doesn't want the depth of connection and commitment that comes with a primary relationship. In terms of hierarchical structure, solo polyamory tends to exhibit little hierarchy, if any. The most common configuration for solo polyamory is having the practitioner as the primary focus in all of their relationships, with all partners being treated at least roughly as non-primary equals. In that way, solo poly is simpler than most other forms of poly, in which hierarchical structure drives many of the relationship priorities and interactions. Note that the relationship anarchy variant of polyamory, or RA, shares a rejection of hierarchy with solo poly. Those who gravitate to solo polyamory are often fiercely independent. They often have well-defined and intense interests and a sense of mission that leads them to jealously guard their control of who they spend time with, as well as how much time they share. As relationship partners, they may seem selfish not in a pejorative sense, but in that they are so strongly focused on their interests that the desires and needs of partners may seem a secondary consideration. Solo poly practitioners are usually well aware that entering into a committed relationship entails a potentially large investment of personal time and energy. In addition, being a partner in a committed relationship requires a willingness to negotiate over important shared goals and decisions. To a solo poly practitioner, that can suggest a reduction or loss, a sacrifice, of their personal control over things that may matter a great deal to them. Solo poly sidesteps the potential need for such compromises by treating partners in a uniform way and by clearly making personal interests central, thus avoiding investing any partners with decision-making power over personally important priorities. Solo poly offers a promising path for establishing enriching connections with a wide variety of different partners. Since the solo poly practitioner retains control over how much time they invest in their relationships, the practitioner can pursue connection with as many or as few partners as seems comfortable. They can enjoy the potentially wide range of traits and experiences that are offered by their various partners, all of whom may be different and thus special. In choosing to pursue a laser-like focus on their personal interests and goals, those who pursue solo polyamory necessarily set aside the things that they might gain by establishing committed relationships. The amory in polyamory refers to the love that one can share with potentially a number of people. As we've seen in prior episodes, though, love is a multifaceted thing. Solo poly relationships can bring many wonderful adventures and experiences into one's life, as well as the genuine caring of those who love us. However, committed relationships offer their own sorts of relationship benefits that simply aren't available without a mutual gift of commitment. An uncommitted relationship can't offer the kind of mutual trust and security that are found in, say, an established and loving nesting couple. Such a couple has agreed to become interdependent, not in a damaging codependent way, but in a way that lets each partner bring their unique gifts to their relationship while trusting to their partner to do the same. Solo poly practitioners have chosen to be strongly independent rather than choosing a path of interdependence. 
committed relationships also offer opportunities to attain a level of knowledge, understanding, and expression of caring for one's partner that simply aren't available without commitment. Uncommitted relationships can let partners express caring for one another in various ways, but they don't offer the depth of connection that can only come from true vulnerability and an openness to one another. The preceding observations can be summed up by noting that life involves making many trade-offs, each one of which comes with its unique benefits and downside. In the case of those who choose to pursue a solo polypath, they prioritize the benefits of unfettered self-determination over the potential benefits of the closer sorts of connections offered by committed relationships. There are many polyamorous individuals for whom solo poly is a good fit, though that fit can change over time, potentially later leading them to a different form of polyamory. For polyamory practitioners who seek the sort of deep connection that can be found in committed relationships, a solo poly partner may not be an especially good fit. Such a partner has chosen to avoid the constraints of commitment, and thus they have also inevitably de-emphasized the potential benefits of commitment. The partners in such a relationship need to both be content with what the relationship offers in the present, rather than pining for something different. Of course, people can change over time, and that can bring partners into better alignment over time. Still, it's good to go into a relationship with an understanding of both the benefits and the limitations of a given relationship style. As the wise saying goes, forewarned is forearmed. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group for posts and discussion and the Two Open Doors meetup group for events. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors.